Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because, again, we all know as coaches, there is no substitution for repetition in life. You want to be the best weightlifter? Guess what you got to do? Lift weights. You want to be the best quarterback? Guess what you got to do? Play quarterback. You want to be the best guy in the world at motivational speaking or talking in a group? You know what you better start doing? Standing up in the cafeteria and learn how to do it. Like, there's no way to do anything without failure and repetition. Today's episode is a segment from the Indiana Football Coaches Association Clinic held this past offseason. In this one, offensive coordinator at Indiana, Walt Bell, shares his thoughts and insight on the RPO. He's got a lot of good nuggets here before he hits the film. So we grabbed this part as a promotion for the Indiana Football Coaches Association Clinic. You can get those replays right now on CoachTube. The link to that will be in the show notes. So here's Coach Bell talking about RPO. Really quickly, obviously just so you guys kind of know my background, so kind of where this is coming from, everybody steals from everybody. There is, I invented nothing, okay? You know, Sid Gilman threw Y-Cross in 1960-something for the San Diego Chargers. Nobody has invented anything, so just kind of my background. In 1999, I went to Middle Tennessee State University. I was a really average college football player. I was a little triple option quarterback in high school, ran for a bunch of yards, went there, thought I was going to be a quarterback, saw the other two kids throw in my recruiting class, realized I got to go somewhere else. They moved me from quarterback to safety. My redshirt freshman year, I played a little bit on defense, played all special teams. And the greatest thing in the world happened to me was all the whiteouts in a 10 personnel system got hurt. So because I played quarterback, they had to move me where? Receiver. Stayed there for four years. The offensive part of it comes from this. Okay, in 1999, when I went to Middle Tennessee State University, there were three spread, one back, no huddle, play as fast as you can offenses in football, period. NFL, college, high school, there was a guy by the name of Chip Kelly at New Hampshire. There was a guy by the name of Rich Rodriguez at Fairmont State, a Division II school in West Virginia. And then there was Larry Fedora, who was a triple option football coach at Air Force, who had just become the offense coordinator at Middle Tennessee. And he knew that if I'm going to make something of myself in this profession, I have to be different because I'm coaching guys like Walt Bell at Middle Tennessee State University. I'm not going to light the world on fire. So what did he do? He fired up Netscape Navigator, okay, got in his green Saturn, and drove to New Hampshire and drove to Fairmont State because he went and just found who had the best stats, and that was them. So I had the early opportunity to play in what 
was considered basically like the triple option, a fad, this is gonna go away, this is gonna ruin football, this isn't any good. And now when you look at football at all three levels, from the NFL to the high school, everybody's kind of a spread one back, no huddle. We're all kind of the same. We were top five in the country for Larry Fedora's two years on offense. Larry gets the OC job at Florida and then Blake Anderson comes. Blake Anderson being of, not necessarily of fame, but Blake Anderson was the head coach whose wife died of breast cancer in the college football season. Um, then 16 months later, his dad died. And then a couple weeks ago, his youngest son committed suicide. So Blake has obviously dealt with a lot, but he's an incredible man. But I got the fortunate part of when Blake showed up, he was a how mummy guy. Like pure as a driven snow, obviously how mummy begat Mike Leach. Mike Leach begat Dana Holgerson and Art Bryles and Kendall Bryles. So there's an element of the air raid in my background. You know, for all you guys that have ever run Tony Franklin system, 95 and 92 and 96. And so that's a huge part of what we do. And then when I got to be the offensive coordinator for the first time, 2014 at Arkansas State, our first year there, we were eighth in the country in scoring. Because we score a lot of points, people wanted to talk to us. And then in 2015, we finished fifth in the country in scoring. But in that off season, Coach Bryles got fired. Okay, with all the things that went on at Baylor. And so I got to spend a lot of time with Coach Bryles. And obviously that's where some of this is from too. So just so when you see all this, just understand that like, it's kind of a conglomeration of those two or three systems. We all good there? Okay, now how many guys in here have coached the triple option before? Like coach the real triple. Like I learned to play football on one of these things right here and old school VHS Daryl Royal coaches choice tapes. I ran the triple option from the time I was in the sixth grade to the time I graduated high school. Three middle schools, one county high school, 2,600 kids in the high school. From the time I was in sixth grade, I ran 10-11, midline, 12 and 13, the triple, eight and nine, rocket toss, like getting after it. Ran for 2,100 yards my senior year. Why? Because by the time I got old, I wasn't pitching it very much, okay? <laughs> but. Everybody here has run the triple, correct? Like there's a lot of coaches in here, especially some of the older guys that have ran the triple. I'm here to tell you this, that running the triple option, if you ran the real triple, it's harder on your quarterbacks to learn how to run the triple because the decision making is so much faster. Why? Because that read is right there. If I'm taking this ball from center on 12 and 13, the C gap is right there and he is right on top of me. That is not a lot of time and distance or space to make that first read. So if I'm reading the C gap and then I'm pitching off three from the sideline, like that's a quick decision. And because I'm so close to the line of scrimmage, there's a lot of physical violence possibly involved as well. And with some young players, that makes it a little bit harder too, because there's like dire physical consequences if I don't get this ball out right, have the right body posture. You know, now the rules are way different, but in my day, if you pitched it late, like you could get hit in the face and everybody was okay with it. Okay, it's not that way anymore. But I'm here to tell you, because typically the thing that I'll get from high school coaches, like it's too hard for the quarterback. Having run the triple my whole life, I honestly think running the triple is probably harder because of the speed of the decision-making and the violent consequences. So knowing that, I'm gonna talk about this. This is basically modern day triple option football. That's really what it is. And when you run the triple, you know that you're gonna see like one or two looks. Like that's what you're gonna see. And typically if you run the triple nowadays, you also know 
that people don't see it very much, so what I get is going to be really simple. That's all we're trying to do on offense. We're trying to render you very simple. Now, the guys in here that have run the triple in their life, the reason that you're comfortable with allowing that quarterback to make all those decisions on the fly is because of repetition. Like, we're going to rep 10, 11, 12, and 13 so much when we run the triple, he can't get it wrong. Well, guess what? That's what we're trying to do here. Because, again, we all know as coaches, there is no substitution for repetition in life. You want to be the best weightlifter? Guess what you got to do? Lift weights. You want to be the best quarterback? Guess what you got to do? Play quarterback. You want to be the best guy in the world at motivational speaking or talking in a group? You know what you better start doing? Standing up in the cafeteria and learn how to do it. Like, there's no way to do anything without failure and repetition. So that's what we're trying to get done here. Now, I'm going to go to the next slide, and there's going to be a wide end zone copy. This is when I was the offensive coordinator at Maryland. It just so happens that my boss was the defensive coordinator in Indiana at this time. So I was the OC at Arkansas State for two years, so you're going to see clips from Arkansas State. You're going to see clips from when we were at Maryland. You'll see different splitting and all types of other stuff based on whether I was working for offensive head coach or defensive head coach. It doesn't matter. But the one thing I want you to understand, based off this copy, is this is how simple it can be for your quarterbacks. The quarterback needs to know a couple really simple things. And everybody in this room, if we wanted to like do this like kindergarten, which I'm not going to make you do that, but I make them do that, the 18-year-olds, is... How many potential blockers do we have? One, two, three, four, five. How many blockers do we have? Six. How many defenders are in this tackle box? Six. Guess whose job it is to keep it that way? His. That's his job. Because we all... You know, at Arkansas State, we finished fifth in the country in scoring in 2015. And we threw for a bunch of yards. But we were second in the league in rushing behind a triple option team and 18th in the country in rushing the football. Why? Because when we ran the ball, we were even numbered. We're running this ball. We have five blockers. We're going to run it when there's five guys in there. If we have six blockers, we're going to block six people. If we have seven hats, we're going to block seven people. Like, again... We're doing like RP, like we do not want to make these pros. These aren't pass run options. Like I am an old school guy. I told you I grew up running the triple option. Like you have to be able to run the football to win games. At some point, at some time in any program in football, guess what you got to be able to do? Run the ball. Tough teams. Run the football, stop the run, cover kicks, and block kicks. That's what tough teams do. And if you're going to win a championship, you have to be a tough team. So again, why do we do this? Because we want to make sure that we're running the ball in the right look. So we've established we've got six blockers. They have six guys in the box. So your quarterback, if he can count to six or he can count to five, can probably do this job. That's the first concept of this that you have to understand. Now, the next thing that young man needs to understand is seven is more than six. Pretty easy to understand, correct? Seven is more than six. So now, you can call any six-man run blocking scheme that you want. Tight zone, wide zone, 
insert zone, power, counter, in any direction. I don't care. You can do anything you want. Pick an imaginary run scheme and run it. But as long as we have those six gaps protected, the quarterback's going to be okay. Whatever your run schemes are. You're a big believer in power, God's play, get after it. You're a believer in counter because it's a little more forgiving, but it's still a gap scheme, get after it. You want to run tight zone, lock zone, insert zone, wide zone, it doesn't matter. So you pick any six-man box run that you want. Boundary, field, doesn't matter. Seven is more than six, what do I mean? Pre-snap, when that quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, his eyes are immediately going to go to the two-player to the field. Now, the next question you're probably going to ask is, what is he talking about the two-player? That's a sand, that's a nickel, that's a star, that's whatever you want to call it. So again, Coach Mummy, who begat Coach Leach and all those other guys, he was a lawyer by trade. He's a very common-sense football coach. He didn't grow up like everybody else where this guy was a Sam and this guy was a Will and that was a this and that. Whoever the dude standing close to number two is, guess what he is? The two-player. Really common sense. So that quarterback's going to go look at number two. And if that two-player is where he belongs, if he is somewhere outside of the 50-50 line, which we call the apex, if he's out there where he belongs, if he can't tackle the back for less than four yards, pass go, collect $200. So pre-snap, as I look out there, if that two player is nice and wide and he can't tackle the back for less than four yards, he is no longer in the count. He is no longer the most dangerous seventh guy. Everybody good there? If that two player is nice and wide and we have any run scheme call, who could possibly be the next most dangerous guy? That dude right there. Because if I'm running some type of tight zone scheme, if I'm running whatever field or boundary, it's probably going to be that safety. He's probably going to be the next most dangerous seventh guy. So if that two player is nice and wide, as I go to call for the ball, down, set, hit, down, clap, whatever it is that you guys do, as that ball is caught, no different than you used to read the five or the C-gap player, when that ball is caught and he goes to sit in the mesh, he's going to drive his eyes to the next possible threat or the next possible seventh defender. Pretty simple, correct? Now, I'm going to go to another level of detail. If there are seven dudes standing in that box, see that two receiver side right there? That can be whatever you want it to be. It can be some type of a man beater, which is the college level we've kind of had to go to because that's everybody's answer to RPO, just play man to man and cover you up. Double slant, slant swing, what we call shin, go pick a guy and run somebody from the outside in. Any two-man concept you want. So he goes, oh God, there's seven guys in this box. Coach has said I can't ever run seven on six. I'm going to throw a quick game. I'm going to throw a perimeter screen, whatever you want. The next thing is, Two players nice and wide, coach me on this route. So this single side guy, and these are words that a Hoosier can't use, but I had a very callous football coach who had really poor language. He called it a Fargo. 
And what that meant was it was a freak around and get open. If it's press man to man, I can guarantee you he didn't say F-R-E-A-K. What that means is if it's press man to man, guess what I'm doing? I'm running by you. Because if they want to run down there and get seven in there, we're going to throw a touchdown, we're going to throw it over your head. Or at least we're going to get pass interference if you can convince the quarterback just to throw a catchable ball and not throw it out of bounds or overthrow it. Why? Because a man running full speed has never sped up and no ball in the history of the game has ever been called out of bounds. And typically what happens is, especially nowadays, DB panics and the rules are so soft that if he like breathes on the guy, it's pass interference. That's 15 yards. It's a huge play. If anything else, he's going to run five hard steps with his inside foot up He's going to slam his outside foot in the ground, and he's going to run inside of the open patch of grass. Based on experience, that ball gets typically caught somewhere near the hash mark. Okay? At your level, your hashes are slightly wider. So that ball would probably get caught somewhere inside the hash mark. But it's that simple. And you can really overcoach it. But the most important thing you want that single side receiver to do, if it's not press coverage, is maintain his speed. I don't need him to one, two, three, four, five, and, and give me a bunch of stuff at the top. You slam your outside foot in the ground, you go as flat as fast as you possibly can, attacking that hash mark, and the quarterback will throw it to you. The quarterback's already got enough on his plate. We don't need like some overly defined route. And I know that sounds weird as a football coach. They're like, it's not perfect, and there's no details. Because as a quarterback, you're not throwing to people, you're throwing to windows. Like, he sees that thing move, that's where he's throwing the ball. Now, for the quarterback, how does he read it? Again, I am staring at this two-player. If he's where he belongs, now I am reading that weak alley defender. How do we coach the quarterback to see this? Because again, I've had tall guys. Okay? I had Brandon Wheaton at Oklahoma State, 6'4", something. Zach Robinson, 6'3". At Carolina, we had Mitch Trubisky, 6'1 and a half, 6'2". At Maryland, we had Tyrell Pegram was our quarterback when we beat Texas 56 to 46. He was shaped like a gummy bear, about five, nine and a half. We've had all different shapes and sizes. And when you're playing and coaching the quarterback from five yards behind the guy, the center, when he's back there, he can't tell the difference between 10 yards and nine yards. He can't tell the difference between 12 and 11. He's kind of just seeing an area which again is much softer when that five technique was right there. So here's how we teach him. I'm gonna ride with the pointer here. Is wherever that weak alley player is, there's a line in front of his feet. Now eventually they get good enough if the guy's standing at six or seven yards at backer depth, they understand that on this first clip, that's what's about to happen. But if you put a line in front of his feet, we call that the strike point. Why? Because that's the term Bill Walsh used in 1988, and his career was pretty good, so we stole it. If that dude comes running forward off the strike point, pull it and replace him. If that guy's feet stay on the strike point, he's not going to tackle us for left and four, hand the ball off. If he goes backwards, do what? Hand the ball off. It's really that simple. When I first started doing this in 2014 at Arkansas State, when there's really only two teams in the country doing it, like all the time, every single run play, that was Coach Bryles at Baylor and us at Arkansas State, it was stealing because defensive guys had no idea what we were doing. And those safeties were flying down there in quarters and trying to go, you know, be the C-gap spill player or first force in the D-gap, and it was stealing. Well, now the defensive guys are a lot smarter. 
and they'll hang in there for a little bit and be slow to go and see it handed off, so we've had to change too. But that's all we're doing. Instead of reading that five technique on the triple, we're now reading a guy standing somewhere about eight or nine yards deep. He comes running, replace him. Now the next question you typically get is, is what's the trajectory on this ball? Like what's the trajectory? Here's what I'm gonna tell you. If you got a ton of grass, you got a little more what? Room to throw. That guy really runs downhill, it may be a loose two. That guy comes flying and it's tight, I may have to bang it. There is a backyard element to this ball and you're gonna see almost every type of ball thrown. Everybody good there? The next thing you're gonna see on this tape before I start rolling the video, because you're all tired of hearing me talk and I understand that, but you'd rather see the video than just listen to me drone on about football, is there are situations where that corner's not very good and you know that instead of throwing the low percentage fade ball that you just want to lock this route and make it the five step, freak around, get open, where you just want to leave it on, that's fine too, because there are situations where at Arkansas State or Maryland where we're playing not very good people, we just want to leave the route on for the consistency for the quarterback. Some really good insight there from Coach Bell. I really liked how he broke things down and simplified the teaching of that and as we continue through the summer, nearing camp, I think those are important things as we take a look at our installs and how we're going to approach teaching, especially new concepts, to our young players. So that entire talk where he continues on and shows a lot of these examples with video is available on CoachTube in the Indiana Football Coaches Association clinic replays. The link to that is in the show notes. Follow all we're doing on coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.